0: You ready?
1: Yeah, hold it right up to the mic on your little headset.
0: I am, I am. Ready? Yup. Yeah. Oh shit, it blew up all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> live beer. Live beer. <laughs> <laughs> on a almost live podcast.
1: Almost, yeah. Well it's nine in the morning here, so I'm not gonna be drinking any beer with you today. Although I could.
0: My hotel room wiping off my face because it now smells like hops. Uh, welcome to Scores and pours, as we know it now, for the next short while anyway. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, Ms. Emily Reese? It's going well.
1: How are you, Ms. Jill Mott?
0: Uh, I am doing well, thanks for asking. I am sitting here basking uh, from a strange angle uh, in my hotel room uh, in the renaissance-like autumnal sun. It's beautiful. Um, my face smells like hops, which that's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, and the world is good here. From I'm in Catalonia, even though we'll be talking about Mallorca. I'm in Catalonia.
1: And so for those of us who aren't familiar with the motherland, can you explain to us where Catalonia <laughs> is? <laughs> I love
0: that you refer to it as the motherland. Emily knows me well enough to know that I was born in Minnesota, born in the United, of course, United States, right? Yeah. But yes, it is the motherland. me. Mm -hmm. Catalonia is far northeastern Spain. We're, you know, butting up right next to France, kind of close to the Pyrenees Mountains. And then Mallorca is part of the, it's the biggest island in the Baleares Islands, which is just east of Barcelona and Catalonia in the Mediterranean Sea.
1: And we'll be talking today about Mallorca, even though you're in Catalonia. Yeah.
0: Yes. And of course, I want to know, what you're listening to because we've we've recorded some things on and off since I've been here, but uh we haven't like got to sit down and actually do actually do a thing. So this is gonna be a nine hour episode. Yeah. (laughs) Emily Emily and I are gonna be like catching up. Yeah. And all the while maybe drinking some beer. I don't know. I mean you're not drinking beer. I mean if it were nine in the morning and I were there, maybe you'd be drinking
1: I would 100 percent be drinking beer if you were here.
0: I ha- yeah, I have that effect on people. You've asked me a lot of questions since I've been here. You like have been sending me some really nice texts, like inquiring about, you know, stuff. Yeah. And I don't know how do you want to how do you want to work the interview because you're the one who usually works the interviews. You're the, <laughs> you're the like the master of the keyboard and such.
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, it'd just be fun to start off with why Mallorca, Like, because, w- w- you know, for for those who listen to this podcast, they might recall that you spent time in Greece, but you're not there anymore. You haven't been for, for several weeks, but uh, you ended up in Majorca for, for quite a while and then kind of bounced around and came back and forth. And I guess, yeah, just why, why there?
0: Well, I you know, after harvest and after working in a winery for, you know, however many weeks or months that people go into a stint in a winery, it's very hard work. They're long hours. You, you know, have like a lot of muscle pain. Um, you're fatigued. And I thought I want to go somewhere where I can a hundred percent relax and just chill out. And I want I was, you know, going to go all over Greece, which I did go all over part of Greece. But then I was like, I want to go somewhere where I can like, speak the mother language. <laughs> I was like missing speaking Spanish. So I was like, I'm going to go to Spain, but I didn't want to go somewhere that I had already been. I wanted it to be a, like a, a new place. And I thought, well, the islands are really nice right now. Um, at least they were uh, you know, a few weeks ago. They were still very warm, very, you know, it's swim weather. Yeah. I just decided I'd go there to relax. And then of course, it, you know, it doesn't help that there are vineyards close by, and vineyards, you know, and, and a couple of natural wine bars and so forth. So then I ended up spending half of my time instead of like swimming and relaxing, I've been in vineyards. Yeah. So basically it was to relax, but then it was to work. Yeah. Cause work is play.
1: Yeah. So yeah. like what kinds of things did you drink while you were there? Just tell us about some of the wine.
0: The first time I ever tried wine from the Island of Mallorca was, or any of the Baleares Islands, was like in 2005, I think, and it was from a blend of Calet and Mantonegro. and there were two different wines. One was from a co-op, and one was from a kind of a bigger producer that's well-known, but that's still kind of artisanal, called Anime Negre, and I remember them being like really good, but they were kind of angular, and they were, you know, had a nice bit of oak and I was just very curious and going, obviously now being very, you know, kind of embedded in the natural wine world, I drank everything but those kind of wines. Uh-huh. You know, I was tasting a lot of very wild flavors, new sides of Calet that I'd never tasted before, a lot of um, native grapes to Majorca that rarely arrive on our soils in the United States, like Escursac, Premsal, mm-hmm. Giroros, Gorgoyasa they come to new york say but in scant amounts scant quantities so it was nice to on the daily be tasting grapes that are like you know it takes you six times to pronounce them to to get them cuz they're so foreign yeah and thankfully you know they're they're getting you know they're getting to enjoy some time in the sun no pun intended cuz York is very hot in the summer Um, Because in the 80s, much like many other places in the world, Mallorca was keen on planting Syrah, Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon, I should specify, Merlot, and they would blend, Tempranillo, they would blend these international varietals with their own varietals to try to make them more marketable. They Mm. would say, oh, here's some Chardonnay with some Premsal, which is a white grape. That was very, very common. And now people are still doing that, but they're kind of taking a stand to showcase their native varietals, uh, especially on a natural wine front, having these varietals stand on their own or being blended together as opposed to being blended, you know, uh, autochthonous native varietal with international varietals, say.
1: You listed a lot of grapes I've never heard of before, obviously. And Pick a couple of those and tell us a little bit about them since it's really unlikely that, you know, I would get to experience something like that, you know? Okay, well, hopefully
0: you will get to experience this because hopefully, (laughs) A, more wines will come to the United States, B... I would say everybody should come to Mallorca, but I don't want that to happen because right now there are already so many German and British tourists during the summer that it's kind of creepy, but <laughs> everybody should come to Mallorca to experience these varietals because they're amazing. Before I answer that question, let me ask you, Emily Reese. Yeah. Do you, because obviously you listen to music all the time, just like I am tasting wine a lot, even if yeah. we're not doing the podcast as often as we normally do. Yeah. Are you listening to music differently like then, you know, cuz you have to like plan on a podcast, you have to, you know, study, get 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 your decided angle ready? Yeah. Are you what are you listening to now and are you listening to it at all in a different fashion than you are when you're, you know, constantly studying for scores and pours like when we're cranking out four episodes?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: every week or two weeks or something. Yeah.
1: I don't. I. I don't think I am listening differently. Only because you know I have so many projects that require me to listen that I. I can't turn that off, and I think you probably experience something similar. Like someone cannot hand you a glass of wine or a beer, and you can't. You're not going to be able to not think about that critically. You know. Yeah. I, I don't think. I mean. I. I I certainly can't. I mean, yeah, I, no, that's fair. I even struggle, you know, when I'm trying to unwind playing video games. I'm always constantly analyzing the audio and the music in the games. It's impossible to turn that off. So, I've probably, in the couple months that we've kind of been, uh, I I don't know, just not able to record consistently. I would say I've been listening to shockingly a little less classical music than normal, which is. Unusual because that's usually what I go to first, but um, but yeah, I don't know. So in that way, I guess maybe I have been listening slightly differently, but um, and I'm certainly listening to less like Shaka Khan since you're not around.
0: (laughs) I mean, you know, I bring wine and I bring some
1: Shaka Khan. Shaka 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 Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. I would say a lot of jazz lately and, um, new and old, like I'm, I'm not even really picking one era. It's like, I'm, I'm listening to new stuff and and old stuff, but mostly jazz lately, which, you know, and and I, yeah, I, I don't know. That kind of changes as the weather changes, if the sun's out, I mean, all of those things affect, I think all of us when we're choosing what to listen to. So. So, so when yeah.
0: you do wait, so if it's, a, if it, if it's a cloudy day,
1: yeah, let's just say it's cloudy, mm-hmm. cold day. Do you mm-hmm.
0: listen to cloudy day jazz or do you listen to upbeat, sunny jazz to like,
1: you know, yeah,
0: I mean, to, to, to make the gray day sunny kind of, you know, metaphorically or, or do you not yeah. do that?
1: Well, yeah, I think again, that just depends on my mood. If I, if I want to be listening to something that matches, the if weather, you want to sulk, yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I, I go there.
1: I hear that. Yeah, yeah. But I think, um, you know, generally speaking, if it's, if it's down outside, quote unquote, then I want my music to be more up. You know, I mean, I'm also, this is kind of out of left field, but uh, one of my favorite examples is if I listen to Bjork, if I listen to her music, it's kind of, it depends. But when it's 95 and sunny and I'm at the beach, I'm probably not going to be listening to Bjork. You know, if it's You're
0: gonna be listening to Sh- well, I was gonna yeah. say maybe not Shaka Khan, but maybe like
1: <laughs> Kim, Kim Petrus, Petrus or yeah, something. Kim yes. Sure. See? Yeah. You know where I was going. I Come knew on. exactly where you were Come going. <laughs> I've danced on a beach to some Kim Petris in my time. So yeah. Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I would say, you know, in that way it's really clear cut. And so I guess a a, a jazz equivalent would be you know, there's definitely plenty of really moody, introspective jazz. And if I'm, you know, if the, if the day is moody and introspective, I might not go toward that kind of jazz. I might go to, you know, Curtis Fuller. Like I've been listening to this one album that he released in 1961 called Soul Trombone. And it's just, it's so, so good because it's, I mean it's got such a great cast and that's one of the fun one of the most fun things about jazz I think is these albums that you're just like oh my god I love I love the saxophone player I love the trumpet player I love the bass player I love the piano player I love all these people you know and they're all Mm -hmm. together making this great music and that's what this Curtis Fuller album from 1961 is and it's got one of my favorite trumpeters called Freddie Hubbard one of uh, mine and your favorite saxophonist Jimmy Heath it's got the pianist Cedar Walton, who's amazing. Jimmy Merritt plays the bass, who's fabulous, and of course the the absolutely legendary drummer uh, Jimmy Cobb. And Curtis Fuller is a trombone player, which you may have inferred from the title of the album "Soul Trombone." <laughs> but um, yeah.
0: But we, yeah, should, we should listen to it right now with the peeps, right? Like, let the peeps listen. Yeah, right? no, let's, let's listen
1: for sure. It's a tune called The Breeze and I, which was actually written by a Cuban composer named er- Ernesto Laquona. But uh, it's such a great little, it's like a four-minute tune, and it's just absolutely wonderful. So here you go. This is The Breeze and I, Curtis Fuller on trombone, Freddie Hubbard on trumpet. Here we go.
0: Wow, it sounds very like so there's an element to Catalonia. I know that we we said this was going to be about like Mallorca, but I mean whatever. Catalunya is, you know, it's like a very it's like a 45-minute flight. So <laughs> what's crazy is when you walk along the streets of a lot of Barcelona. Yeah. It's like very cosmopolitan, very European, but very Catalan. Like, the architecture, the feel, palm trees. But it's very, it's kind of, like, sexy at the same time. It's kind of a little bit old and, like, dated in a really weird way. And, like, this you can, this sounds kind of dated. Yeah. But in a way that is timeless, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And I think anybody walking on, you know, the... one of the main like thoroughfares of walking, the the Gracia, or things, you know, places like that, they would see architecture and it would remind them of, obviously, a time. Yeah. But that time is timeless.
1: Yes. How it
0: feels. uh, And that reminds me of this. Yeah, it's
1: great. Nice call, Emily Reese. It's so good. I mean, just seriously, just put this on and take a walk. Like, it's just like, it's such a great feeling like everything feels so good in this tune to me and i just i love first of all i love curtis fuller the way he plays trombone he's got such a beautiful warm sound and freddie hubbard has the same thing on the trumpet freddie has always just he always had this just huge warm just giant like a fire hose of just warm trumpet. Heading toward your ears. It's amazing. So
0: I I, yeah. I like I like how it sounds to me the the adjective warm doesn't come up. It comes out like really um like that sounded warm, I guess, but it sounds kind of like you know, I know it's hard to have like a crisp trombone. Yeah. But it sounds kind of autumnal. Yeah. Like it's deep and there are like some, you know, when the sun shines on an autumn day and it feels like it could be Perhaps spring, but there's still that note of cool breeze yeah. that tells you, no, no, it's not yeah. spring. Like, to me, <laughs> yeah. that's what this reminds me of. Like, it's very actually of a season, too, yep. which is interesting, I, I, or yeah. feels like a season to me. I love it.
1: And I love that it's called The Breeze and I. And I also, just this part, we're just gonna listen to Freddie right here because it's so great.
0: Okay. Okay. That's so good. All right. You want want me to tell you what I'm
1: drinking right now? I
0: really do. Okay. So I'm drinking something that is the epitome of this song because like yesterday when I was, I was walking towards this brewery actually um, called Garage Beer Company. They're located in the heart of Barcelona, which I guess that's kind of like saying a needle in a haystack because Barcelona is big, but they're like, Kind of smack dab in the middle of like a really cool neighborhood, kind of close to Le Jample, which is like our version of maybe Soho in New York, you know, it's, um, it's been around for a while. It's been stylish for a while. People know that they're going to eat well. They're going to drink well. There's great style in Le Jample. Um, Garage Beer Company is a brewery that they, I came across their stuff like, a few years ago at a natural wine fair or natural wine bar or something. And I remember having one of their Saison's. It was good. And I thought I had a evening free. I was like, well, I'll go check out the brewery, see if it's good, the brew pub. And it's, you know, as you walk on the street to get to the brewery, it's like, you don't expect to go to a brew pub. You know, you're like in one of the most stylish, cosmopolita places in all of Spain. Hmm. And then you enter into a brew pub, you know, it just (laughs) seems like, and so this is like this, where it sounds like it sounds stylish. Hmm. It's like humble. There's something about the song that's like also tasty and humble. And, I love this. So this brewery, Garage Beer Company, uh, last night I walked in and right away I, I sat down and the brewer was sitting to my right and I started to ask him about hops and recipes and chemistry. And he asked about my past in wine and beer. And by the end of the night, he was like giving me cans of beer for the podcast. He's like, taste this during the podcast and taste this <laughs> during the podcast. And I was like, I Emily Reese isn't going to be there. I can't drink all this beer, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it will be consumed at some point. So they have a lot of different IPAs is kind of what they're going after, which to me at, ah. at first I was a little bit like, really? Like, yeah, do we need that? Yeah. But all the IPAs were really well balanced. They were never too crazy out there at the highest alcohol percentage was maybe 8%. Okay. And the one I'm drinking now is called soup IPA. <laughs> it is basically like when I think of soup, you think of like comforting, you think yeah. of every, every day in the winter, you know, you're going to have like having a soup every day or a broth or something is nice. Yes. This is their, one of their flagship New England style IPAs. They're using mosaic and citra hops and it's very familiar, like a familiar flavor. Really reined in. It's not six it's percent alcohol. It's not crazy aromatic. Yet it's not, uh, and it's not too bitter. It's all just in a really nice, tight package. It is hazy, so you you can't see through it. Mm-hmm. Um, really nice head retention. About a good inch of head retention for at least six, seven minutes. Oh wow! So that's really cool. And. I really like it. I think it, it tastes like a well-made IPA with using, you know, good ingredients, and that's made outside of the States, which is fun. Well, actually, you know, here in Catalonia, which is, everybody thinks of Catalonia as being the cradle of natural wine in Spain, and there's mm. just a lot of good things happening in beer and coffee here as well. Oh, neat. Cool. I wanted to just tell quickly the story of, the, this guy's kind of got a funny story, because his, his name is Dan. And he, he's from England and he came to Barcelona to, he was working as a chef in Denmark and this Danish chef said, Hey, you want to come help me, you know, make some great food in Barcelona. Dan said, sure, sign me up. Fast forward however many months and he gets in a really bad bike accident, shatters his knee. He can't, he can't walk for like three months and Mm -hmm. his girlfriend she gets him a, a brew a homebrew kit and he's oh. like dude i'm on crutches like what i mean how am i going to brew beer i can't even clean things right i can't even basically clean you yeah. know clean certain regions of my body let alone yeah clean like so in depth to make uh, a good quality beer well he he's like screw it he starts making beer in a garage on his like on his crutches <laughs> and has a blast and is like i want to open a brew pub wow. and opened garage brewing company and
1: it was packed (laughs) hence the name so
0: hence the name on a sunday night it was packed wow so uh yeah so good for dan and his uh couple business partners because they're making really good beer and having a good time
1: nice what you said they mostly have ipas what do they have that isn't ipa
0: they had a porter a session porter which was which was good lower alcohol they had a sour like a little kettle sour something that he put in a porron i was like that's not a good idea don't put (laughs) a kettle sour don't put beer in a porron yeah you want me to walk out of here i mean so i basically took a sip and he was like you're you're a you're a fucking professional i was like yeah i know (laughs) Before I forget to answer your question about the grapes in Mallorca. Oh. Because I feel like I'm Barcelonaing a lot.
1: Oh, yeah. And you yeah. did
0: ask me a question about grapes. Should I revert back or do you want me to do that?
1: Oh, yeah. We can Probably, go back right? to Mallorca.
0: Yeah, Mallorca is really quite beautiful because you have the Tramontana, which is like the northern part of the island, which is all very mountainous, like rugged mountains that I actually got stuck climbing on one and it was not uh, a a particularly relaxing moment of my trip and so there's like there's some you know some pretty pretty awesome mountain ranges kind of areas to to cover and then there's a lot of very rugged beach and very nice white sandy beaches um as well i got stung by you know some jellyfish that was fun did you have to pee on it i I almost asked a friend who was a was a new friend at the time to pee on it but then i was like i don't know you well enough to ask you to pee on it but i thought i mean i almost did yes yeah. but it was a it was a light sting okay but yeah so and then the middle of the island is kind of divided into i mean several different kind of macro climates but there are some different valleys that are uh, separate you know, there's like the torment on the north there's a little bit of mountain on the on the south and then they're kind of two valleys that run through the middle and there's a little bit of some Hills in the middle as well, but home to a lot of different varietals. So for example, Calette and mantonegro I mentioned those before they're red grapes and they make sort of like if Pinot Noir ha- was blended with Cab Franc and grow and and then decrease some alcohol, like make it so it's more angular. Like they have this angularity that, they're kind of unfriendly grapes in some regards. Uh, If they're done in a way that doesn't give them oxygen to kind of breathe a little bit, if they're done only in stainless steel and they're not stirred, they can kind of be really interesting, but low alcohol, high acid, Mm. like you kind of want more of them, but then you have producers that are doing them with a little bit more of an open fermentation or they're doing them in old oak or chestnut or amphora, and they really, really open up. Cullet doesn't have a lot of color, um, has a lot of acid. Negro has very thick skin, so it can get tannic. Negro makes up about 20 25% of the entire island's grapes, so there's a lot of Negro around. Um, it can get a little bit more aromatic. And so they, they, they do work nicely together. There's um, uh, another now getting, getting to be more popular in, in kind of the public view, a grape called Escursac, hmm. which that's usually thrown in and blended in with, you know, Montenegro or Calet or something. But there are people now doing single varietal
1: Escursacs. Spell that for me.
0: E-S-C-U-R-S-A-C, Escursac. And they're like very velvety texture when it's done in old oak. It can be kind of wild on the natural side, but, but with nice velvety kind of soft tannins and still a bright amount of acidity, very kind of purplish fruit, almost like a mulbec, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really fun varietal. My most exciting finds is a grape that normally is dumped in, and it's not even mentioned uh, what it is. It's dumped in with Manto Negro or Merlot or something called Giro Negre, the red Giro or the black Giro, as they like to call it. And it is light game, fun, kind of like really serious, but also really aromatic. It can kind of be like almost... I don't know. It's just Giro Negre. I mean, I'm saying this and nobody's ever going to be able to taste it because there's not a lot of people that make it on its own. <laughs> but the few I've tasted are really fun. And then going to White's, Primsal is very popular. Primsal is a grape that is normally tossed in with Chardonnay. But there is a guy, uh, his name is Carlos. His winery is called Selva Beans. And he's making, because he's located in a village called Selva, and he's making Premsal in, like, stainless steel, chestnut, amphora. And I, like, I've seen a new side to grape. I'm like, this is, like, world-class white mm. wine. Like, oh, wow. Like, juicy, but showing different sides of what the grape can do. Elevated acidity, very fresh. I tasted a Premsal that was open for, like, a month and a half, and it was, like, so it was open yesterday. Hmm. So that's cool. Giro Ros. Giro Ros means blonde, like blonde kind of hair or blonde beer, the color. Mm-hmm. And Giro Ros has that color when it, when it ripens on the vine. So it kind of gets a little bit like golden, kind of dark golden in color. And that's, I think it's their version of Chardonnay. Like it tastes like it can be very sophisticated, can also be really fun and wild and natural. And they, of course, grow Malvasia. I mean, everywhere around Spain has, has in most places, has a Malvasia clones around, which can be pretty serious as well. I did forget to mention a red grape called Gorgoyasa, hmm. which is sort of like their version of Pinot Noir. Like, they, it can become very filigree and fine, depending on how it's made. It has a lot of different degrees of texture and bright acidity that can make it age-worthy. So... Yeah, I mean, I could talk for about, like, nine other grapes, but I'm getting <laughs> sick of my own voice, so, so interrupt Isn't me. <laughs> say something, ask something, <laughs> what?
1: Do you want me to tell you more about music? Sure. I mean, yeah. that'd be good. Interrupt me yeah, however you I mean, want. There's a London band that I've been listening to, and I've, I've listened to them in the past. They're called Coco Rocco, and it's basically like a blend of jazz and Afrobeat. And uh, the band, it's an eight-piece band, um, Coco Roco, and it's led by a trumpeter singer named Sheila Maurice Gray, and she's amazing. And she's a great trumpeter and they write really cool songs. And so one of the bummers of it is they don't have a huge catalog online. So you can pretty much, you can easily listen to everything they've recorded that's on like Spotify or something. Uh, so I'm okay. really hopeful they'll, but you know, she and other people in the band are in a lot of different projects. So you can also kind of find them that way. But, uh, but it is really, I think, digestible to just like listen to their whole catalog because there's not a ton of it, but it's really, really fun stuff. And there's also some YouTube videos that are fun to watch. But in any event, the tune I'm going to play is, uh, on streaming services and it's called Baba Ayula. And I like it cause it's in five. And it makes it fun, you know, because there's like that extra beat that kind of makes you skip a little. And I think I think it's just a really great groove. So should we listen to it?
0: Yes, please. And I love that uh, I looked at it actually to reference as I'm mm. writing down notes because I wrote down Coco Roco with C's. Oh. And it's Coco Roco
1: <laughs> with, with K's. K's for yep. those of
0: you out there who are, you know, visual uh, people that, to, to you know, remember to plug it into you know, the Spotify or whatever. So exactly. All right, yeah, let's listen to it. So groovy and good.
1: Mm hmm. love the five situation like all day and just just how solid the groove is too because it's i think it's difficult to take a meter like a five or a seven or any kind of odd meter like that and make it really groove and you know we've talked about it before on scores and pours we've talked about uh, i believe we talked about take five a little bit from dave brubeck i can put a little sample in mm-hmm. here of that You know, so that's one example of jazz in five, and there are many. Uh, but this is a this is a really fun one too. I think just really, really tight groove. I've just i've been listening to them a lot over the last few weeks on and off um and that's fun so
0: this sounds like a great song for like the autumnal evening gathering like you have friends over and you're cooking together or you're you know doing whatever you're getting ready in new year's eve i guess that's winter but it reminds me of like having friends over you know and you're just like chatting about life and
1: yeah and i think part of that in this band in particular I guess there's just a nice community feel to the band it seems like you know I I think there's togetherness and so I can see that it's a good good tune to listen to with friends yeah I love it Mallorca is known for? Like, you know, Retsina in Greece or Rioja in Spain or something. Does Mallorca have that?
0: Mm, I mean, not really, honestly. They, they're, you know, they have white, they have red, they have rosé, they do have some sweet wines that they're not really well known for. Um, No, I would say most, if, if I had to put my finger on something, it would be, you know, a style that I'm not really excited about, which is, you know, the, the tourist crowd comes and they want a Rioja, they, or or they want the Mallorca, and equivalent of a Bordeaux. So mm. people are blending, like I mentioned before, Montenegro with Cabernet Merlot. They're oaking the shit out of it, and then you've got this extracted, full-bodied wine, mm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's it's not really, you know, it's not really speaking to the capabilities of showcasing the different small areas within Mallorca. Um, But that's something that Mallorca is known for. Like, you know, they can have these big wines and they can, but when you start to taste more and more, to me, the one thing that stands out is like these angular reds. Like they're kind of lean and mean. Hmm. And yeah, now people are learning how to make that more finesseful, you know, make those styles more finesseful, whether they're like, like I said, making them giving them a little bit more air, or doing them not in stainless steel and doing them in other vessels or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say if, if, you know personally, I, I see the angularity as being like something that is really good and really interesting, and that's kind of a a hallmark of the area as like this Calette Montenegro weird, sort of lean and mean wine, which is, can be really, really
1: great with the right food. And talk to me about the food there. Just like, what's that like? Is it drastically different than the mainland or is it pretty similar?
0: It's similar in some regards. I mean, it's, it's, it is very Mediterranean. Uh, The, the quality of ingredients is very, can be very fresh, but you know, like a lot of places in Spain, they're known for potajes, like stews, soups you know, cook, cooking things, making them kind of warm and more bountiful, frying them, um, sautéing them. And so in that way, it's not terribly different. I mean, there are obviously local ingredients or local dishes, but the idea is not too far-fetched from mainland Spain. But there are certain, I guess, delicacies or, you know, local things like the Insaimada, which is like a coiled... Raised dough that has in, there's a lot of pork fat included in it, and it's usually sweet, and it's usually topped with a little bit of powdered sugar and baked, and that is like that is ridiculous. There's really shitty ensaimadas, there are really shitty ensaimadas, and there are like ensaimadas that you want two of, knowing that you might vomit, but they're so good <laughs> and airy. And sobrasada is also a very uh, local specialty. It's like sort of like if you were to scrape out a chorizo and have that meat, but it's chunkier. It's more spreadable. There's more pork fat. Some people put that on sobrasada or excuse me, put them on ensamadas, which is like, (laughs) someone told me to do that and I ate it. And I was like, I I just got to check out for like a half a day. Like it was just like, uh, insane. And there, there's a lot of other like sopes mayorquines, which is like, they're taking really old bread and like, that's like days old and hard putting it at the bottom of a casserole dish. And then they're taking like different vegetables and baking it. Um, there's something called tumit, which I really love, which is a little bit like ratatouille in its flavor. It's usually like tomato, eggplant, onion, you know, all, all these different vegetables. And, and baked in like an earthenware vessel, and it comes out like very hearty. And I've had a lot more vegetarian versions than not, but Tumbet is something that is quite Mallorquin, hmm. um, and I love, love it very much. I mean, there are many more dishes yeah, that I'm yeah. not mentioning, but those are the ones that come to mind yeah. you know, quite rapidly.
1: And like what's the percentage of like natural wine production there? I mean, is it kind of, I don't want to say easy, but is it... Is it difficult to find natural wine in Majorca? Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: There are two bars um that I that I can, you know, like confidently say they specialize in natural wine, which is Bar la Sang and La Vino- Viniloteca. Viniloteca is actually awesome. It's like a record shop and a natural wine, a little natural wine bar.
1: Nice. Speaking my language. Yeah, it's
0: it's yeah, super dope. I saw Jimmy Heath and you know, Coltrane and Madonna, all on vinyl. <laughs> Like, like, I mean, but they had like, like, a, I mean, they had a ton of selections, right? But I was just like flipping around looking, they had like Bruce Springsteen, they had like Aretha Franklin, Miles, I mean, you name it, they nice. had like a ton. I mean, David Bowie, it was great. And then, you know, an awesome selection of mostly natural wine, which is really cool. Nice. But I would say natural wine production and or being able to find it is like maybe 2% of, I mean, production or... Yeah. availability like okay. you, have, you really have to go looking for it you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna stumble upon it
1: so it's i mean similar to other countries in the world would you say in terms of the production there
0: uh yeah but there's not like a movement like catalonia there's a movement oh. you can you can go into you know like when you look at there's a wine app called raison uh, in a natural wine kind of angle and in Sp- catalonia they're like gazillions of places to go
1: yeah
0: uh, and then you go to Rioja and there's a dearth of places in Rioja because they're they they do not need natural wine because they
1: have they have Rioja the, word,
0: <laughs> the name Rioja <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and the Baleares they don't they just are like hello Brits and English people yeah. like hello money right so they're just like they you know they don't need it either but there are people who feel it's very important or it's their life's work or whatever and so those people have you know the bar or they're making the wine or whatever yeah. so yeah very small very small percentage for sure you have to okay you have to seek it out well do you want to hear one more tune yeah for sure i want to hear one more tune i'm like nursing <laughs> this beer if this were if, if i were recording live with emily reese this beer would be like the gone. seventh beer and yeah gone. <laughs> I yeah was exactly gonna say, it'd be gone uh, <laughs> what uh what's what's next on the I, manhattan reflection Ooh. Oh,
1: well, yeah, yes. Ahmad Jamal! Yeah, uh, Ahmad Jamal—such a fantastic pianist. And this is from a 1968 album that he recorded called *Tranquility*. It's a trio album. This tune—it's called, as you mentioned, *Manhattan Reflections*. And it was one of those things I—I I had to commute down to Rochester, Minnesota several times last week. And so I was back and forth, back and forth from the cities. It's about 90 minutes from, from the Twin City, from where I live in Minneapolis to get down to Rochester, Minnesota. So that gave me a lot of, you know, opportunities to talk on the phone but also to listen to music And uh, I was listen I put on this Jamal album Tranquility, which is so so good and, it, and this is the very last track and it was one of those things where I, I was just so into it and I, I love this final track because first of all, he demonstrates, his virtuosity like crazy. He's just Oscar Peterson-like technique on the piano, just like all these crazy runs, double hands, all this cool stuff. But then he does something really fun at about four and a half minutes where he quotes a piece that we've talked about on Scores and Pores before, Many, many episodes ago, we did a jazz classical, I think it was maybe the first time I ever talked about jazz, perhaps, on Scores and Pores, and I talked about a fella named Bud Powell who took this piece by one of Johann Sebastian Bach's sons and turned it into a jazzy thing. and that tune is called Bud on Bach, and it's so, so good. And Ahmad Jamal takes that piece, the little piece that he quotes, and uh, quotes it in, in there quite quickly. So let's just listen to a little bit of the beginning so we can get a sense for how the tune is, and then we can jump ahead to the bit where he quotes the piece by Carl Philip Emanuel Bach. The rest of the trio does come in, eventually. The drummer, Frank Gant, and the bassist, Jamil Suleiman. I like, though, that it's
0: kind of holding on. Like, it's, you know, it's not making it too evident too quick. Yep. Who's going to come in when, you know?
1: The bass player, by the way, Jamil Suleiman. You can find him on albums under a few different names. He 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 was born George Joyner, so you'll you'll find him there playing things under George Joyner. You'll also find him under Jamil Nasser and Jamil Suleiman. So.
0: Do you want me to fast forward to what uh, what number here? What
1: minute? At about four and a half minutes. <laughs> Isn't that great? Did you recognize yeah, it? Yeah, yeah,
0: that's great. Yeah, yeah, of course.
1: It's yeah, like he's, he's just not, like, look like, what I can do. It's
0: like, it's <laughs> like overly risible. It's like so good, Oh yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Yeah, and nice the track work, is great. I love the track. It. Just yeah. it. He's amazing. He's an amazing, amazing. Oh my god, that's so good, uh, fella. He's 91 years old from Pittsburgh, and still out there recording. So it's pretty remarkable. Really, Ahmed Jamal. Yep, one of Miles Davis's wow, favorite pianists. Yep, yep. So, yeah. Wow.
0: Well. <laughs> I wish I wish, with all this good music and all this good talk of Mallorca and Catalonia, I wish we were sharing a beer together or, you know, a few yeah. uh, per uh, <laughs> scores and pours protocol. Yeah. Uh, but I will settle for distance because I love this podcast, Emily Reese. So here's to Mallorca, here's to Catalonia, and here is to some great, great jazz until next time. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Scores and Pours with Joe Mott and Emily Reese. You can find a playlist, a wine list, or beer list, and support us financially at patreon.com slash scoresandpours. You can also find a link there to merchandise, including hoodies and teas, and then
1: some. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Scores and Pours. You can send us a message on either of those spots if you have any questions or show ideas or comments. We would love to hear from you.
0: Consider supporting the musicians we featured today by buying their music.
1: Edited by Jill Mott and Emily Reese, our producer is Sam Keenan.
0: Missy Sam. Scores and Poors is a production of June Media Inc. June. Oh, June Tunes.